Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Movie Brats Podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing fine. I finished grading all my final exams and got grades in, so I have nothing to do for the rest of this month except watch movies and TV. Which is a nice time to do that, because we've got some good stuff coming out. Um, Just some sort of news from the movie world to touch on. Uh, Avengers Endgame passed Titanic as the second highest grossing movie of all time. It's made $2.3 billion, and it seems like it's going to pass Avatar's record of $2.7 billion. You famously have not seen Avengers Endgame or hardly any Marvel movies. Uh, Does this news uh, have any impact on uh, your understanding of the world of cinema? They are what they are. They they exist. I have no interest. Uh, I'm an adult. I don't mind that other people enjoy them. Uh, you know, I, and, and it's kind of like, oh, this is the end of a franchise. Oh, until Spider-Man comes mm. out in like a week and a half from now. <laughs> it's like, come on. Like, it's not the end. It's just, it's like, I remember one film critic when the, it's like the third or fourth Friday the 13th is called the final chapter. And they mm. wrote final chapter my ass. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, yeah, they're going to keep churning them out until the it just i don't know like i think people will keep going to see them but maybe it'll be like Westerns i think and this might be a sort of watershed or... moment that the interest will wane a little bit at least i hope so are you pleased that james cameron is going to get knocked off his perch or would you rather see uh, avatar and titanic stay up there for a little bit longer well i don't like either of those movies but i like early james cameron i'm going to be teaching an action film class hopefully in june which and he has I made some absolute classics Aliens in and Terminator 2. Yeah. Original Terminator's really Yeah, I good. mean, James Cameron... Yeah, oh yeah, I love. I mean, I like a lot of his early stuff. It's just that, um, you know, it, it's the thing with Avatar, like, does anyone care except James Cameron? It's like... <laughs> well, they, they've announced it, four it, sequels, I mean, people point the out last of which is going to come out ten years from now. So, James Cameron is obviously still very invested in that world. <laughs> Yeah, but um, another uh, interesting bit of news is that Jane Campion is going to have a film starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Moss, Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth Moss was the star of her uh, TV series Top of the Lake, which is excellent. Probably uh, Campion's most famous movie, The Piano, would you say? That's from the early 90s. It won a few Oscars. It's a really fantastic movie, sort of uh, Malick-esque. What was the last movie Jane Campion's made? It feels like it's been a little while. Yeah, Bright Star, which is a biopic about the poet. Which one? John Keats, Keats? or something? Some poet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it starred uh, Ben Whishaw, mm-hmm. but it got really good reviews. But a lot of like a lot of directors, she's gone to television. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did Top of the Lake, um, so I'm always excited to see her name pop up. Oh, and a really uh, interesting uh, but, yeah, pair that's, at the top that's... of that: Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Moss. Two of the like, they make some really interesting creative choices. Both of them. Uh, despite Benedict Cumberbatch being involved in the Marvel Universe. So it's nice to see his acting chops uh, actually get stretched a little bit when he's not just uh, acting behind a green screen. Um, Another bit of news is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to be premiering at Cannes. That was announced last week. Uh, There were doubts that it was going to make that uh, because Cannes is going to start next week. Uh, It's not going to come out wide until July, but 
I'm very intrigued to see uh, what people say coming out of the the premiere at Cannes in a couple weeks here. It's going to be two hours and 45 minutes, and I keep seeing people writing that Oscar season is going to start, but I don't want to say the word Oscar for at least like four more months, okay? <laughs> so uh, we can move on to a couple of well, reviews. Well, let me for, mention okay. one more One more film, can you know, note. Yeah, yeah, Family Romance LLC. It's a feature film directed by Werner Herzog that is in Japanese, his first Japanese language film. And the two line synopsis is Romance as a Business. A man is hired to impersonate the missing father of a 12 year old girl. And there's a te- teaser trailer available for it. Um, you know, I. <laughs> Sog's amazing. He's in his like mid to late seventies now, and he's still making films. There's a documentary out now where he interviewed Gorbachev in Russia. Uh, so it's uh, I'm definitely intrigued to see what this movie is going to be. Family romance LLC. Yeah, he's a guy who almost every movie he releases feels different than the one he made before. So uh, they're not always hits. He definitely has some misses in his career, but everything he makes is definitely. I mean, totally different than what anybody else is making. So any new film of his is definitely welcome news. Uh, moving from Werner Herzog to something a little bit and, more uh, conventional. Yeah, <laughs> I think we should start off with Longshot. It's um, a little more palatable. Uh, definitely a little bit more palatable than Highlight. Uh, I would say so. <laughs> so Longshot, uh, Seth Rogen vehicle. Com- they, they both feature come prominently, though. That's true. Seth Rogen plays a journalist who becomes a speechwriter for Charlize Theron, who is his former babysitter, yeah. now Secretary of State, who plans to run for president in 2020. Directed by Jonathan Levine, who did 50-50 back in 2011, uh, Warm Bodies in 2013, and The Night Before the Chris- <laughs> Christmas Comedy, which is actually pretty good, which came out in 2015. Uh, it premiered at South by Southwest on March 9th and just was released wide uh last week may 3rd metacritic score of 67 rotten tomato score of 82 charlotte i would like to endorse you to be the next president of the united states oh my god you've been a great secretary of state which state again all of them Secretary of State looking at us? I kind of know her. It's like kind of knowing a mermaid. Do you tell people that? She probably doesn't remember who I am. Secretary Field would like to speak with you. With me? I can't shake this feeling that we know each other. We do. We do? Picture me, I guess, maybe like 20 years younger. But like this. Flarsky? Yeah. A very crowd-pleasing movie. Uh, romantic comedies can be very annoying, very formulaic. But this is a romantic comedy that actually felt pretty fresh. And actually pretty smart. And Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron are really good. So it's nice to see their chemistry on screen. I liked it. I really liked Longshot. I laughed out loud a couple times, which is pretty rare for me, uh, especially at a romantic comedy. But I liked it a lot. That very palatable movie, very winning. Uh, One that pretty much anybody would like. What were your thoughts about it? A little more mainstream than your usual taste. No, I mean, I thought it was entertaining and I thought it got better as it went along. And the thing that I was surprised most about it is how good the chemistry between the two leads are and that it's actually a quite romantic movie. Like yeah. you really feel for their relationship. And I think that that's the strongest aspect of the film. It does, you know, have conventions of the rom-com, even though it is kind of a different take because he's a schlubby guy and she's this 
woman who's running for president and they seem like an odd pairing, but you really buy that they love each other and that their relationship would work. And so, yeah, I mean, there are parts that are like, here's it checking this box of the romantic comedy and it's not, but yeah, I, I thought that the, the chemistry between the two of them was really strong and there's a number of funny moments and uh, yeah, the, the, it works because of them yes. uh, to a large part. How do you think it dealt with the sort of political brand of comedy? Uh, seemed like sometimes like there's a president played by Bob Odenkirk, who's very much a Trump sort of surrogate. He was like a TV star who played a president on TV and is actually watching himself play president in a TV show while he's in the Oval Office on one scene. Um <laughs> So just sort of like the, uh, I don't know, what do you think it had to say about the political climate? Like, was it effective? Was it, you know, they shouldn't have done it in the first place? What did you think of that? I thought it was more of a generic backdrop, and she could have been a high executive at an advertising firm. It wasn't this overtly political film. It has politics in it, but Uh I don't think that, uh, you know, yeah, it's hard to do anything political day, you know, with Trump. Because he's just this giant orange mountain of feces. <laughs> you almost can't uh, parody it because to... he is already a parody. <laughs> I know, but um, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of funny people that pop up in uh, supporting roles. The her uh, main uh, press guru, uh, the it's June woman. Diane uh, what's, Raphael, what's the actress's name? I believe is her name. Right. Yeah, she uh, she's very well cast in the film, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, there's a there, the political aspect is kind of you know it's it's not like this savage satire, but it has some funny digs yeah. at and the, it does feel it's very more contemporary. About, it's, it's, what feels more like a look at the funny personal mix of how politics you know the the what you present to the public versus your private life more than you know this t- satire on you know bureaucracy yeah. or uh, just you know sat, you know tacking trump so much it's yeah. more about you know the funny uh you know back and forth between public and private life mm-hmm. and seth rogan i feel like he hadn't been a lead in a little while um, but I love Seth Rogen. Any comedy he's in, I, he just like is absolutely incredible. And this is the first time in a little while I've seen him <laughs> be in a sort of romantic role, and it was really good how they made use of his schlubbiness and just sort of how disgusting his general appearance is. There's a, a time when the, her assistant, June Don, Diane Raphael's character, is like polling, and like this is what it would be like if Jennifer Lawrence were to be dating a potato. <laughs> And just stuff like that. I just love them making fun of Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron, like, you know, so beautiful, statuesque. It's really funny to see them together. And I could understand sort of the criticism right. like, really... of uh, the movies. Like, Seth Rogen, I know Knocked Up got a lot of criticism. Like, how could someone like a Charlize Theron ever be interested in a Seth Rogen type? But they actually, their chemistry is so good that it actually does come across as believable. It's not just some, like, servicing of male fantasies. Uh, like a lot of romantic comedies can end up being. I saw this woman tweet something that she ended up deleting where there's a documentary out about uh, some of the up and coming democratic uh, people, especially the younger ones and the minorities. And uh, this woman tweeted about uh, AOC. Uh, how do, what's her name? Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <clears throat> 
Yeah. And she has a boyfriend who is not nearly as schlubby and bad looking as Seth Rogen. Like he actually looks like a fine uh, guy. But she tweeted about why would AOC have to stoop to dating this guy? And and everyone just tore her a new one <laughs> saying like that is so gross that like this is like a really supportive guy and they love each other. And like where is it your place to say, you know, yeah. you know, if two people are in love, you know, and it's <laughs> consensual, like fuck off. You know, I don't. I don't understand, uh, you know, yeah, it's kind of like maybe, you know, there, but there are, you know, there is the honeymooners and like, mm-hmm. you know, who, how would these people really be together? Homer and Marge yeah. in the Simpsons. But you know what? There's, you look at real life. There are crazy well, it comes things, down to you know, the actors hot. and the believable chemistry. And sometimes it doesn't work, but in this one, it really, really does. And they sort of make a point of questioning that in the narrative itself, which is good to see, like, because we don't just accept it. Like, Charlize Theron's going to death Seth Rogen. There has to be a reason. And they do a really good job building that up. Like, she's this very removed person who's not really allowed to be funny or anything, really, because she's a woman and everything she does gets uh, depicted on a scale where a man wouldn't have to deal with it. So she's, you know, built this wall around herself, and Seth Rogen just chips away at it with his uh, stoner (laughs) comedy. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I do have a criticism, though, and it's a lot of comedies in recent years. Now, I really love Anchorman mm-hmm. and a number of Will Ferrell's films and Judd Apatow's, but there are too many movies where it feels like there are many scenes where they just let them ramp uh, like 20 different lines and mm-hmm. just let them improvise. And they feel like they're just these random that don't really, they feel like comedy improvised scenes. They don't feel like real people delivering actual dialogue. Mm. And it's not like, you know, yeah, Billy Wilder and Preston Sturges wrote, you know, dialogue that wasn't realistic. But I feel like too many of these modern Judd Apatow, you know, and, you know, other people with Seth Rogen, that they feel like they're just spouting schisms and they feel very much like, comedy improv and not mm-hmm. like real naturalistic uh, dialogue organic, or, or, yeah you know that kind of bother no i totally get that. yeah that's something that uh especially but, uh what's his name uh ant-man uh paul rudd a lot of times when he's in those movies the things he says are definitely like the 10th take of improv and they're like that line was funny and it's not necessarily something you'd actually hear someone say in a real conversation. It's not an organic joke. I definitely get what you mean talking about that. And uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, Ice Cube's son, who sort of plays his best friend, uh, there are definitely moments where you get that sort of feeling from him, where he was just sort of improv and he was just spitting lines out. And, you know, they just happened to put one in the movie. People can like whatever movies they like, but I don't like when people say, oh, all romantic comedies are garbage. Well, no, there's not. My favorite film of all time is City Lights. Mm -hmm. That's the best. Oh, yeah. A well-made movie in any genre is going to be a good movie. I think it's a romantic comedy. So, you know, there's good films in every genre. Exactly. Uh, Moving to a totally different genre. There's never been. The science fiction uh, (laughs) erotic dystopian genre. High Life, uh, the latest Claire Denis movie, actually her first English language movie. She's mine. Hmm. Dad. I'm hers. Hmm. <laughs> 
that didn't fit into the system until someone had the bright idea of recycling us to serve science. The odds are not in our favor, but when my work is accomplished, when perfection is achieved, then what, fly away? I know I look like a witch. You're Foxy and you know it. mission can't turn our shame into some type of glory. I can't do this flying around no more. You lied to us. You knew it. The sensation, moving backwards. Yeah. Even though we're moving forwards, getting further from what's getting nearer. There's nothing to fear. Everything's gonna be fine. Are you sick? We realize nothing is ever gonna go inside us. Break the laws of nature. You'll pay for it. Uh, it stars Robert Pattinson as a member of a number of criminals who are sent into space <laughs> on an expedition to a black hole to conduct experiments on the black hole's energy and during the voyage a scientist uses them as guinea pigs for a series of exper experiments on sexuality and reproduction uh, in addition to Robert Pattinson it's got Juliette Binoche, Andre Benjamin and Mia Goth uh, premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival last year uh, and was released last month, April 5th. I know Jonathan went up to New York to see it opening weekend because he's uh, crazy like that. A Metacritic score of 75 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 83. I'm shocked that the critic scores are this high because I hated this movie. <laughs> there were about five minutes of it that I enjoyed, but it is like watching paint dry. I know you probably have a very different experience than I do. <laughs> Well, it's one of those movies that I have to admit that I saw it and I'm like, I'm going to have to see this again sometime because <laughs> I, I found a lot of it. I, I think Claire Denis did exactly what she wanted to do, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not exactly sure what she was trying to do. <laughs> but I think that Robert Pattinson gives a great performance. Yes. I think he's terrific in the film. Yes. Uh, it's very well shot like it looks really good it manages to be the mix of very slick clinical and also this grungy mm -hmm. uncomfortable like it, it, it's like these sterile sterile surfaces and like needles and operating tables but they're like like harvesting bodily fluids <laughs> and there's like these rumbling machines with cum in them you don't know what's in it necessarily yes. But, um, We're seeing dildos yeah, being put I, on giant metal dildos. Yeah. Um, it is a film that I feel – it's one of those movies, too, where I feel like I should watch more of the director's previous work to, yeah. and go back and reevaluate it, knowing more of her oeuvre, because I've only seen two of her films yeah, before this. Yeah, this was the first player movie I've seen. Yeah, she did a romantic comedy drama before this starring Julia Binoche, Let the Sun Shine In. Mm -hmm. So that's not a typical one of hers either. But um, 
I remember I, one of my favorite reviews of Siskel and Ebert was when uh, they were reviewing Naked Lunch. And Roger Ebert says, after Gene introduces it and gives his kind of mixed feelings about the film, and Ebert says, you know, Gene, in a long time of reviewing movies, rarely have I been more at a loss for words. And he goes, I admire what, and I'll say, I admire what Claire Denis and Robert Pattinson and Julia Pinochet are doing. They do a great job, but this movie is uh, uncomfortable and it's very stilted dialogue and yes. it's hard to hear <laughs> yes. often what they're saying. Did you have that problem? <laughs> yes, too? I did. Like, I don't know what they're saying. Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but I, I think that I, I'm not giving this a negative or positive review. I'm just saying that it's, it's an effective film to a degree, but I just feel like it was, and it's, and, and it's not one of those that's just completely, like surreal and baffling. It's no. just a very detached. Um, and there's a non-linear you know, is... to the narrative that is a little bit confusing. Uh, it's not, I would, didn't find it impossible to follow, but, and I didn't really even understand the need for it. Um, that was one of my gripes with the movie is that it's non-linear format. I, I don't know. I just didn't understand why it was even implemented. Uh, maybe if I was familiar with her work a little bit more, that would be, that would reveal itself to me. Uh, but like yeah, like you said, Robert Pattinson is really good in it. Even though he doesn't really say much or do much, there's a lot of him by himself, tending to a garden, screwing in bolts on the outside of a spaceship, uh, <laughs> just sort of walking in hallways. Uh, but he—he's a magnetic actor. There was one that was one thing that I sort of thought to myself while I was watching it is Robert Pattinson might be one of the best actors working today. He definitely takes some of the more interesting creative choices. But now that, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, retired from acting. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Daniel Day-Lewis. Robert Pattinson is, like, one of the best actors we have left. Well, he's, like, half his age. But I yeah. think that, I mean, I always give, like, I always used to criticize Twilight without having seen it. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, junk for, you know, teenage girls. But... I am totally fine with it existing because it started the career of Christian Stewart and mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson. They're two of the best actors of their, you know, of their generation. And, um, you know, the film was originally going to star Philip Seymour Hoffman. She's been trying to make it for a number of years and she wanted the character to be older. Hmm. Uh, but then Robert Pattinson is a diehard fan of hers yeah. and he really, really wanted to star in a movie. And so she decided, well, it's my first English language one. I'll have him. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's a film that the whole movie is just like completely uncompromising. Yes. And, and there are some moments that are uncomfortable. intensely uncomfortable. Uh, there's one of the more gruesome yeah. murders I've ever seen in a movie. Um, not in terms of like yeah. it's violence, but just it's realness. It felt very real in a very uncomfortable way. Yeah. But I mean, the way I feel, you know, and I shouldn't criticize movies I haven't seen, but I would rather see a daring, completely uncompromising film by a true artist that I am baffled by and feel like I need to read about more and possibly rewatch mm-hmm. than see a completely, you know, a film that's, you know, mass produced by this Hollywood vapid studio and, that just yeah. is completely a Netflix romantic comedy. Yeah. <laughs> or no, or well, I, like I said, I don't want to criticize the movie I haven't seen, but like Avengers yeah. Endgame, where it's just completely like, you know, corporate and everything like that, and, like, yeah. making them happy. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally. But agree. now, have you seen Avengers? Actually, oh, I have. I I enjoyed it. It's. I mean, <laughs> it's sort of an apt comparison, though, because it definitely is not challenging, and it 
very it doesn't uh, make you question the way you perceive the world upon entering it so as a work of cinema in the, like the artistic sense compared to something like high life which i did not enjoy at all in every minute of it i was counting down and when is this movie going to end but it definitely made me think about things differently and i saw things that i had not seen before and it presented situations that challenged me so as a work of art that's something you want but as a movie watching experience i would watch avengers endgame a hundred times out of a hundred over uh <laughs> over high life although high life like you said is definitely more uh, meaningful you know what what does that mean but it's it is a more it might be a more worthwhile experience is just how i'll put it because it at least makes you question <laughs> what you're doing in the theater it's, it's a real like descartes moment you're just sitting there like what am i watching <laughs> what does this mean <laughs> definitely not something you experience watching adventures well, I saw someone on Twitter, Scott Tobias, tweet, Doug adventures endgame for the most part, but eager to return to movies willing to spend even the tiniest fraction of their running time challenging or alienating the audience. No, Drag me across true. at least a patch of concrete, please. <laughs> no, that's yeah, I, I just that's very valid. It is valid, but I would rather watch Avengers. I'll just say that. <laughs> Well, this this I have this okay. I've seen Fight Club once, and I despise the movie. I hate it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few films that I felt like I don't want to be watching this. It's an ugly, cynical. But David Fincher is a master filmmaker, and even though I find the film really repellent, it's an uncompromising film mm-hmm. by an artist doing. You know, I think he did exactly what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And even though I hate fight club i have more respect for it for doing what it's doing and being daring Mm. than a movie like i always point to salt the angelina jolie action film which is like the most generic movie ever and i like i i like salt more but it's like i would rather you know i have more respect for fight club even though i hate it you know what i'm saying yeah i know what you're saying i definitely respect claire denise vision more than i respect the vision of the russo brothers who made avengers endgame and maybe we should stop using avengers endgame as a comparison but no i totally get where you come from and it's and i mean it's a conversation worth having it's what you want to get out of your experience as a movie watcher you just want to be entertained you want it to be you know just empty calories or do you want it to challenge you and make you you know consider the world differently than you did upon entering the cinema um i mean which is really the question about you know the nature of cinema as entertainment or as art in the first place so so high life and and uh, long shot is actually an interesting couple of movies to uh address that question through because i mean i did not enjoy high life i did not enjoy a second of watching it but i mean i respect the vision of it i respect that it was made i wish andre benjamin was used in a better capacity than just uh <laughs> burying himself and killing himself in a garden on a spaceship i wish he was uh back to making music but say lobby if he wants to be in a claire denis movie he could do it um i i wonder if uh the screenwriters and claire denis uh have seen or influenced at all have you ever seen the film silent running starring bruce stern no but i that addresses uh gardening on a spaceship right right and i just i thought of that movie even though that's like a 
hippie, like early 70s, you know, very uh, life affirming movie in a way, even though it's about a guy basically uh, alone on a spaceship gardening. But um, I just it it's like it would make for like an interesting double feature <laughs> um, high life. And uh, yeah, but I, I, you know, I do think that it also owes a debt to um, Solaris. You know, it, I felt it, like it's a very uh, art house. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know, it's Alien to some degree. I yes. mean, I think of Alien because it's yeah, a prisoner. It did have notes you know, of they're horror not prisoners in it alien, but There were definitely notes of, like, uh, trapped in this house with these people that are very dangerous. Little bits of horror aspects to it. Yeah, and, um, I, yeah, it, it does have a kind of a stilted, you know, pr- it, almost like a Yorgos Lanthimos film. Like, you're like, are these characters, like, they're just, like, it, it's like they're performances and their delivery of dialogues like you know off kilter oh for sure especially like mia goth's character but uh i don't know are are you surprised by the critic score as i am because i'm like i'm like really surprised by it you think people are just eat it up because it has it's a daring movie and you know i couldn't imagine giving this like eight out of ten or you know something like that like it's hard even to give a score to I mean, there's a lot of people that give given it five out of five stars and think it's like one of the best films of the year. I mean, and I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that I've seen it once and I respect the film and I found it intriguing. And I think Robert Patton's really good in it. But I am like, I need to watch it again. I need to think about it. It's like it's gone into my brain and it's very enigmatic. Mm. But but it. You know, it made me think, and I would rather see a film that makes me think that I don't know what to think about. Like, the other movies I felt that way about in recent years were Godard's last two films, uh, Goodbye to Language and The Image Book, and Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice, uh, to a lesser extent, The Master. But I definitely felt that way about about Mother, the Darren Aronofsky movie. I was just like, what is going on? What am I looking at? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, but mother, I got mother a little bit uh, easier, but uh, there's just some films where I'm like, I feel, another film that just came out and barely got released that people have kind of had that response to, I think, is Under the Silver Lake. It's uh-huh. like this shaggy dog joke of a neo-noir, like The Long Goodbye or The Big Lebowski, and people are like, I think the point is that there isn't, like, you can't just connect all the dots. It's this, you know, you know, it's the journey, not the, you know, connecting all of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so very different films: High Life and Long Shot. Definitely would recommend Long Shot to more people. I don't know who I would recommend High Life to. Probably just you, or you know anybody who is a a film student probably should see it. That's like really all the people I'd, I'd recommend Long Shot to everybody though. I thought that was a very winning movie, very funny movie. It's two totally different movies. I'm glad I got to see them in the same week. There was a very interesting. Uh, <laughs> disparity between them yeah i mean i i would say if i if if i was telling people to see five films from this year so far i'm not saying my five personal favorite films i would put high life uh, up there in peter lou and the image book like those are ones that like if you're a film fan like serious cinephile like you should see these movies uh so yeah maybe dragged across concrete (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah, it's like you you know Avengers Endgame. It's like the thing of like nobody on earth has seen the image book hardly. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, but it's more it's made less than a million dollars than Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah, for sure. But 
oh, it's probably made two cents. I mean, I was probably, <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes I criticize that, like, oh, like, why can't this movie play one week, you know, and Aquaman's still in its theaters for like its fourth month, but probably Aquaman in its fourth month would, you know, for one week make more money <laughs> crush than the image, image book, book playing in green. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, we've got yeah, the, so, uh, the Cannes Film Festival coming up in the world of movies. Uh, John Wick 3 is coming out soon. Anything else coming out soon you're looking forward to? Um, The second season of Spike Lee's TV show, She's Gotta Have It, comes out pretty soon on Netflix. And he's directed all the episodes like oh, wow. the first season. Which is a remake uh, of yeah, a movie he made the first in the season? 80s, right? I still haven't seen the first season. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, he I mean, he won an Oscar, did Black Klansman, you know, riding that wave, but he still had a time to direct a whole, you know, series season of TV. Yeah, it premieres on May 24th on Netflix. Uh, yeah, it's based on his first feature film. Um, and yeah, there's uh, always small stuff to see. There's stuff in Atlanta. I want to see Shadow, martial arts film that's gotten very good reviews. I want to see John Wick Chapter Three, mm-hmm. action film that's gotten good reviews so far. This supposed to be crazy and violent, <laughs> which I like both of. One of the better franchises that's uh, that's running today, the John Wick franchise, and I'm sure we'll yeah. be Keanu discussing one of those the, actor- uh, the upcoming uh, yeah, installment saying, in a future episode. <laughs> I say Keanu Reeves is good when they cast him in the right role. Oh, for sure, yeah. Do you agree with that? When you put him as Jonathan yeah, Harker cast, in like, Dracula, it's not his strength. Yeah. If you put him riding a no. bus at high speed Bill and, and getting Sandra Bellick yeah. off of it, then yeah. it's a good role for him. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. And like, yeah, Bill and Ted is like, you know, good. You know, like oh, that, yeah. that, 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 not saying they have to play stupid people, but, but that's he's good that's at playing. the persona uh, of Keanu Reeves, the surfer dude who's, yeah. uh, right. <laughs> just what funny guy. He, does, he doesn't do comedy oh, enough, which is well, yeah, nice about John Wick. He's got a nice little funny notes in it. Yeah. Yeah, point break. Yeah, I mean, John Wick is an example of a movie that knows exactly what it is. Yes, yes. Yeah. But anyway, we'll be back next week or sometime in the near future. Yeah. I don't have anything to do the rest of this month, <laughs> so I'll be able to, as long as you see stuff, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, thank you for listening. Long shot good. High life confusing. Uh... See them if you are interested in movies. Long shot will definitely be a little bit more palatable. But thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you I next saw time. Your friend and she's eating the fingers like they're just another meal. But she waits there in the levy washes, mixing cocktails with a plastic Shiny